the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? I was waiting for it. Uh, I'm great, Tyson. How are you doing? I am doing all right. Well, I'm excited about today's guest because, you know, we love and enjoy and just recorded an awesome episode with a a relatively new law firm owner. But I love hearing about all the cool things that are going on out in the legal sphere. I love hearing about technological changes and updates and new opportunities for people. I think that this might be one of the first times where one of our hacks or tips actually turned into a guest on the show. And his name is Keith Lee. He's with us from Case Status. Keith, welcome to the show. Hey, Jim. Hey, Tyson. Great to be here. It's good to have you, man. So, Keith, tell us about your journey. I've gotten to personally hang out with you yeah. and I get the, it was fun. So, tell us about your journey and kind of how you got to where you are now. Sure. Yeah. I've had a super weird, non-traditional uh, sort of legal career path. Graduated from law school back in 2010 and uh, right out the gate kind of knew I needed to do something a little different to sort of stand out and be present. So um started a website called Associates Mind, which was about, you know, transitioning from law school to being an associate at a new law firm. And uh, so I started doing that. I don't know if I was doing anything particularly correct or anything like that, but uh, it became very popular very quickly. Then the, uh, the ABA asked me to write a book for them in 2012, which was weird to be two years out of law school and have the ABA ask you to write a book for them. But uh, I did. And I wrote about, you know, that I, I think that any other books about becoming a new lawyer were written probably like in the 70s. So <laughs> there wasn't really anything relevant anymore. So did that for them. It took off really well. Then I started uh, writing and speaking a lot more. I, I wrote for Above the Law for a number of years. And then uh, I got more into sort of consulting for legal tech vendors. And, you know, they were like, hey, you know, lawyers really pay attention to you. We need to get lawyers' attention. How do you do that? So I did a lot of, uh, you know, go-to-market strategy stuff for vendors. At the same time, I started a, I have my own, just like you have the Max Law group. I, I have a group of lawyers called Lawyer Smack. So I have a Slack-based community. I've got hundreds of lawyers in there as well at the same time. But then uh, one of my clients at the time was Case Status. And uh, I was consulting with them, telling them about how to you know market their product. And eventually, um, 
they were, you know, they just kept coming out. They were like, sure, you want to work with us all the time, you know? And so eventually about three years ago, they asked me to be their um, CMO and, and I accepted. That's awesome. Well, I can't wait to dive in and talk about case status. But before we do, I would love to get your insights on what mistakes you think most legal tech vendors make when dealing with law firms and lawyers. I think initially, probably a lot of people, if they don't have embedded in the company someone who is a lawyer and actually fundamentally understands what being a lawyer means, what running a law practice actually looks like, you know, if they just if they're just coming in and like, oh, we're going to run the business playbook of SaaS, how we market and talk to customers, it just doesn't work. I mean, it, it's just, and even then, people are like, oh, this is how I'm going to market to the legal industry. That's like saying I'm going to market to the business industry. It makes no, it makes no sense, you know. I mean, PI and IP is the same letters flipped around, but those are two very fundamentally different practice areas, right? You know, how you communicate to an intellectual property lawyer and then how you communicate to a personal injury lawyer are fundamentally different. And, you know, you, you have to have a really deep understanding of just what lawyers do, what the practice area, practice sizes, affinity groups. There's just a lot going on that I think if you don't have you know someone who is a some type of subject matter expert, some lawyer who knows the industry well, it, it's just not going to work out good for those people. So, I mean, your career change was, I mean, it was pretty big. I mean, like what drew you to case status? Because it's, uh, you're talking about going from one thing to another thing it is, that is a completely, uh, I don't know if I'd say completely different industry, but you're doing something completely different. So what, like, what was it that draw you away from what you were doing to a software company? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, practicing law right out the gate, I was a bad guy. I was insurance defense. So... <laughs> You know, that was its own thing. And, and you know, uh, insurance defense work is a drag. You know, you live and die by the billable hour. So I, I really wasn't super into that. Then I moved into a small firm with a couple other friends and did that for a while. And just, you know, what ended up coming to light is, you know, I was, I think, a, a good lawyer, but not a great lawyer. You know, I, I've met a number of great lawyers. I, I know what it seems to take to be a great lawyer and there's a real passion for it. And um, this other stuff, the, the strategy, the marketing, the, the communicating to lawyers, understanding the, the industry was something that came pretty natural to me. And, and it seemed like I had the potential and the possibility to be great in that space. And I had a more of a natural affinity for it. And I think that just kind of bore out as I was practicing law, speaking, talking, people started asking me to give them advice that eventually... It just became apparent to me. I, I tried to do it both for a while. And, uh, you know, eventually it just became apparent to me. This other skill set I had combined with being an attorney, I think made me pretty rare. And so it just, I feel like I kind of eventually got pulled down that path. And so when did you go to case status and what are your job responsibilities as CMO? Yeah. So that's about three, it'll be three years ago, I think in January. And yeah. And it's just, you know, I'm responsible for, you know, go to market strategy. How do we grow the business? You know, how do we make people aware of case status? How do we, you know, get leads? No different than running a law firm. Like, hey, we've got to have brand awareness. We've got to get it in front of people. You know, we have to be good at what we do and we have to let people know what we do. And, um, you know, how can you drive leads? How can you fill up the top of the funnel? 
then how can, as uh, prospects move through the funnel, how can you support sales and drive conversions? And I've been responsible for all of that really since day one. I mean, it really is kind of interesting because you're doing, I mean, you're doing the same thing that we, we have to do on a regular basis, like filling the top of our funnels. And you're talking to, you know, potential clients, potential customers. Sure. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing that sometimes you want to strangle them because maybe they just don't get it. So I, uh, like, what are those interactions like? It can be tough. I mean, you know, lawyers, not, not to print with a broad brush, but are, are largely Luddites in a big way. You know, we're, we're a profession, you know, steeped in precedent, right? That's the whole basis of, of how we function. You know, law school trains you up for risk aversion, risk mitigation, critical analysis, you know, um, selling into that's another difficult thing. Selling to lawyers may be one of the most difficult audiences to sell to, right? They're, they're just going to be like, you know, I remember one time I saw a guy just kind of randomly interface with a guy who was a very, very good criminal defense lawyer and started mentioning his product. Guys started crossing him immediately like the, and he got destroyed. <laughs> I mean, he was destroyed. He was not prepared for the, the intense line of a questioning that this criminal defense lawyer brought to him. And I was like, well, that's what you're going to get. You know, you need to be you need to be prepared for that. So one, you, I mean, that's the initial barrier. But then two. You know, this this risk mitigation, risk aversion that most attorneys have, it's challenging. So really what you end up having, I think, for a lot of legal tech companies outside of really established areas, and I say really established, I mean, 10 years now, case management, people pretty familiar with, e-discovery, okay, people are familiar with that. But most legal technology companies face a real educational sale problem, right? You can't just go and sell you actually have to educate the buyers. You have to, you know, have a real use case example. You probably need to perform some type of ROI analysis like, hey, you pay us this, that's going to turn into this operational efficiency, this many more clients, this many more reviews. You know, there there has to be a, a holistic approach to selling to lawyers. You have to make your case. Right. You can't. It's not like selling to somebody else. I mean, you have to make your case when you sell to lawyers. And and that's, I think, probably can be frustrating if you're not prepared for it. To that point about lawyers being Luddites and, and slow to adopt technology, can you do us a favor? And that is we're always talking to our members about how technology and venture capital and private equity are coming for the legal space. Sure. And we've seen things out in Utah and Arizona where now non-lawyers can participate in owning law firms. Can you give us maybe a 5,000 foot view of where things are headed just so that people can start getting ready for this? Sure. Yeah. So yeah, Arizona and Utah both have regulatory sandboxes allowing non-lawyer ownership. Oregon actually just created a new paralegal or limited some, I can't remember what they call it, but Oregon's doing it too. And in certain practice areas, that's brand new. That happened in the past couple months. And then I saw there was a press release yesterday where one company, they said they're the first completely non-lawyer owned law firm that's operating in both states. So there are no lawyers involved in the loop at all at the ownership level. They have some lawyers working for them, but the lawyers are not equity partners in the firm. So with all that being said is, yeah, I mean, legal is a giant industry that has been restricted to the guild, you know, us, 
by virtue of our licenses over the years, but that's starting to break down. And, you know, it's wrapped in this access to justice cloak. It's access to justice. We're going we're gonna to provide access to justice. And certainly there's probably some of that will occur. But if you look at a lot of the firms that are showing up in those two states, they're they're not really going down market. They're not trying. There's some of that, but there's, you know, they're going after stuff that lawyers do. And, and in particular, you know, private equity is always looking for somewhere to put money. I mean, they, they and they have lots of money, right? Because that's been the big limitation as attorneys, right? We can't go sell 10% of our law firm to somebody for $10 million in order to, you know, grow the business, do whatever. Private equity does that all day long, right? That's how startups exist. They invest money. I'm the founder. I'm going to start a company. I sell 70% of the company away to private equity for millions and millions of dollars as they gamble the bet that I'm going to be able to turn it into something. And so that's coming in a big way. And, and not just private equity, particularly once you start to go really up market, you take the big four consulting firms, you take Deloitte, ENY, those folks. They already have legal units across the pond in the UK and Australia and everything. They're going to eat people's lunch. You think you've got the operational efficiency that the giant cons- you know, accounting firms do? Man, those guys are ruthless. And, and if they think there is profit to be had in the legal space, and if the deregulation comes, man, they will be here in a heartbeat because they're already staffed for it. They're already equipped for it. They're already doing it in, in other countries. It's interesting. Uh, I mean, are there opportunities for companies like Case Status to get into the game? I mean, that's if I were in the legal space and the SaaS industry of some sorts, I would probably try to find ways into it. So, are there opportunities for you all at Case Status? I mean, maybe, but you know, I think there's some inherent conflict that you've got to be careful with. Where, all right, our you know, if your customers are lawyers, do you then want to compete against your customers? Like, strategically speaking. If I was the customer, I would be put off from that. Like a couple of people have pivoted and said they're going to do that. And it's like, well, I would fire that company as a vendor <laughs> if I was an attorney using them, right? That would put my back up in a big way. I mean, and I think that's where things will be for a while. But eventually, I mean, there might not be a, tr- I mean, it's probably not an option. You know, there, if the deregulations continue, if more money pours in the space, if more tech companies start trying to do it. I think it's inevitable that you see, you know, particularly where they get really good at controlling the client relationship, you know, that that I can see where they might just say, hey, you know, you've got uh, a legal need and you're you're you know, you're the marketing agency or digital agency that's, you know, filling the top of the funnel for these law firms. Maybe you start holding on to those. You start staffing up some lawyers. You have an in-house team and you can start sort of you know, taking the cream off the top for yourself and then you just pass out the bad leads to other people. So, I mean, it's not here yet, but, you know, give it 10 years and I think we'll get there. The Guild is Maximum Lawyers community of lawyer entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you will build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country four times per year. And in 2023, we've added a half-day workshop to each mastermind where you'll learn new skills while working on improving systems and aspects of your personal firm. 
Then take the hot seat on day two and work through your most pressing challenge. It's all inside the guild. To learn more, visit maxlawguild.com. You're listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Our guest today, Keith Lee, he's the Chief Marketing Officer for Case Status. All right, Keith, let's get to it. Tell us about Case Status. What is it? How can it help small and solo lawyers, small firm and solo lawyers, improve their practice and their delivery of legal services? Sure. Case Status is an all-in-one information hub for your clients. So what that means is it's uh, an app that clients download on their phone. It's white labeled, custom branded. So when a client touches it and it opens up, it's, you know, the law firm of John Smith or, or whatever, you know, so it looks like it's from client's perspective, it's the law firm that they've hired. And then the, what we do is we do probably a few things really, really well. So, you know, we've had Firms, small firms tell us that we've eliminated roughly 85% of their inbound phone volume from current clients. So because we we do everything through the information, through like a messaging system. So documents, any messages back and forth, calendaring, tasks, reminders, you know, e-signature, everything happens through the app. The law firm gets a web portal. You know, they can they have an app as well, but you know, really, you're sitting at your desktop and they interface that way. So all this communication happens. So that I mean, it drastically reduces the amount of phone volume that staff spends time on. So it's a big operational efficiency gain in the sense that instead of giving the you know the constant no update updates because you know your typical you know legal <laughs> typical client doesn't understand that not all lawsuits are an episode of law and order and get wrapped up in 45 minutes and that these things take months and months, if not years. So the ability to sort of just manage the expectation, you know, manage that through texting, which is how everybody wants to communicate all the time anyway, is a big one. Then we also provide a dashboard for clients. So, you know, a case starts at stage one and I think we support like 20 something stages now that shows exactly where they are in the process. Again, it's expectation management for clients saying, okay, I'm on stage four of 10. That means, you know, and then there's descriptions. Hey, and stage four is, you know, discovery. Well, we're exchanging documents. Discovery can take eight months long, 12, whatever. And so it really sets it all out there and provides the information for the client. You know, I always make it akin to sort of a, you know, it's like if any of us had to, we're in a situation where we had to pick up our phone, call our bank, speak to a person on the phone to find out how much money was in our bank accounts. We would fire the bank. We'd switch banks, right? Like that's horrible. No one of us would use that bank anymore because we know we can get all that information in an app on our phone on demand whenever we want it. Okay. Why are you making your clients call your law firm, right? It's, it's no different. It's still very sensitive, private information, financial data, okay, your legal information, you know, there is technology now that you can very securely display this and, you know, you display whatever you want. We, you know, the law firm has total control over what gets shown, but all this gets displayed in a very, you know, easy to understand way for clients. And, you know, and we see that we see clients check the, you know, on the back end anonymous data usage, some clients will, you know, check the app once a day, right? Twice a day. And they're not messaging the law firm, but they open it up because they're just on their phone. Huh? What's going on? Uh, all right. But every time they just look at that app, that's a phone call that's not happening to your firm. So that's another really big one. 
And then the last thing that's probably our, our third really biggest value proposition is through those, and we've got all types of automations built in, automatic messages, reminders, all types of stuff. But when clients move through the stages, we use something called NPS, which is the Net Promoter Score. Um, a lot of companies use it to, to rate how client satisfaction, customer satisfaction with the company. And so just a very simple question it says on a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to recommend you know, our product or services to your friends and family? And so that does a couple things. One, it provides for the first time ever for a law firm, a feedback tracker over the course of a case. So you understand how satisfied a client is from you know stage to stage over the course of multi-months. So if they're giving you, you know seven, eights, nines, and then suddenly you get a four, you go, oh, somebody needs to pick up the phone and call that person right now because they're unhappy and we need to jump on it. So that's incredible. But then the other thing is, when someone gives you a nine or a 10, which is the true, they're a true promoter. They are there to be excited about what you're doing. We have it automatically built into our system that says, hey, you know, you gave us a, a nine, you gave us a 10. We're really glad you're happy with our services. You know, touch here to leave us a review. And so suddenly, you know, right there as they're happy with their services, you right when someone says, man, I really love what you're doing for me. We capture that review opportunity right then. And um, I know we had one firm, larger firm, but they I think in 60 days after implementing us, they had an 800% increase in, in five-star Google reviews. They went from like seven or eight a month to like 48 or something. I mean, it was incredible how much it impacted their review. And then that has all types of downstream effects, you know, SEO. Google, you move up the Google rankings, it's pretty significant. So, you know, the operational efficiency of reducing phone calls and emails, letting your staff actually work on cases, expectation management for clients, letting them know where everything is all through the custom branded app, and then just really increasing review capture are the big three things that case status does for people. One of the things I think is really cool about what you do is you don't rely on email addresses because not everybody has an email address. And so it's, it makes it really easy for people to adopt it, which is kind of cool. But then also talk about the integrations with other softwares, because I think that's another part of it where people might be like, well, I use Filevine or I may use whatever. You all have a great integration with Filevine, but uh, it's not just made for one software. It's made for several. Yeah. We, yeah. So one, yeah, certainly on the, the, the one problem with a lot of legacy systems, say from the case management providers, is that they're all email-based systems, which if you look at any modern app software, you know, Cash App, WhatsApp, Snap, anything like that, they're all phone number based because there's no need to actually capture email. It's easier for people to use a phone number. We actually had one larger firm in California come to us. They've, they run roughly 1,800 cases at any given time, and that was their why they chose us is that they said, hey, roughly one third of our clients don't have email addresses, right? <laughs> we have to have something that is phone number based. So th that is a big strength for us that we're, we're a more modern platform. And then integration wise, yeah, we're Switzerland up in here, right? <laughs> Clio, Filevine, Litify, MyCase, CasePeer. There's a few, I mean, it, we there's probably a dozen we have native integrations with, and then we use uh, Zapier to, you know, as long as anybody other, plat whatever case management platform you're using, does it have an open API? Well, then we can probably figure it out. So, you know, we're not trying to replace 
your case management software, if you use Filevine, great. Keep using Filevine, you know. But what we're doing, yeah, we know we're not case management. We're client management, right? We're there for the clients to make the clients feel good, to make sure that your firm can provide clients, you know, really top-notch customer service via an app. And just like the banking thing, I think some lawyers get scared. They're like, oh, but I, we're so about customer service and we don't want to do it. Again, the banking, if I had a call, I would rank that as worse customer service, right? The best customer service for me, for the type of information that I want from my bank, 90% of it I can get from an app on my phone. That's not to say that if suddenly I needed a HELOC or something on my house that I wouldn't drive down to a branch and talk to a loan officer and, and have an in-person interaction. But for the majority of what I need, that can be solved with software. And frankly, that's the case for law firms as well. 90% of what just the little updates that, that clients want from day in and day out, you can solve that with software at this point. It's a good point. Yeah, and I, I know you bring up the banking quite a bit, but yeah, that's it's a really good point. So we are getting close to time, but before I start to wrap things up, uh, tell people how they can get in touch with Case Status or get, get in touch with you if they're interested in uh, using the product. Sure. So, I mean, for Case Status, the easiest thing to do is uh, go to casestatus.com. All the information is there. You can reach out to people, book a demo, contact folks that way. And then for me, you know, I'm pretty online. Probably the easiest, probably Twitter. I'm at Associates Mind on Twitter. That's where I like to. My pet hobby is definitely legal ethics. You know, I collect, I collect disciplinary opinions from around the country. So if that's your thing and you want to see uh, lawyers behaving badly, that's probably mostly what I'm talking about on social media. So. Pretty sick hobby, but uh, we are going to wrap things up. I want to remind everyone to join us in the Facebook group. Search Maximum Lawyer on Facebook and you'll be able to find us. If you want a more high-level conversation, go to the the Guild. Join us in the Guild, maxallguild.com. And while you're listening to the rest of this episode, if you don't mind leaving us a five-star review, we would greatly appreciate it. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? My hack of the week is a mindset shift. I wrote about this on Facebook in the big group today, and that is that too often, I think law firm owners try something once and then it doesn't go well. And then they say, I'm never going to try that again. And this happens with, they might shoot two or three YouTube videos or TikTok videos and nothing happens. Or they might try a new way of advertising or they might try a new process in the office and it doesn't work or they try delegating and the person doesn't do it exactly like they would have. And then they say to themselves, oh, this doesn't work. And they write some cardinal rule that this will never work. And we see this the most with hiring and delegating. And I really want to encourage everyone to keep an open mind. You know, so much everyone's talking these days about short attention spans. But what I've been thinking about are people's short patient spans. People's patience levels are so short right now and they just think they have to just you know jump to the next thing jump to the next thing instead of staying the course you know the pittsburgh steelers have had three coaches since the 1950s they've won the second most number of super bowls steady three coaches and i really think we need to take more of a long-term approach and not be so fast 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 to just write things off very good that's good advice Keith, we always ask our guests to give a tip or hack of the week. Do you have a tip or a hack for us? Oh, geez. Okay. So, hack tip of the week, something to read, listen to. I'm a big fan. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Naval Ravikant, N-A-V-A-L. He was originally an angel investor. He invested in 
Twitter, Uber, a bunch of stuff, very accessible private equity investor, very wealthy guy. And um, a few years ago, he recorded a series of little micro podcasts that if you stitch them all together, it's probably three hours long and it's done. It's like bookend, like start to finish. And uh, he gave it a pithy title called, uh, I think it's like How to Get Rich or something like that. But it's it's actually, um, you know, he says it in the podcast. He's like, what I really should have called this is like my fundamental strategies to build wealth over a long period of time. It's like his investment thesis and about how he thinks about money. And he takes it from, you know, like, what is money? You know, like, what does that actually mean? And he builds structurally this very deep foundation of how he thinks about business and money and investing and doing everything. And it's really brilliant. If, and it's the type of thing I think anybody who is a business owner could listen to. And again, it's not going to go on infinitely. You know, it's this three hour time block that, hey, you can listen to it over, you know, the car over the course of a week, essentially during your commute. That's really, really fundamental. He's an excellent speaker, and there's some real nuggets of wisdom in there, I think, for anybody. If you just Google Naval, he'll be the first thing that shows up. Love it. That's good stuff. I'm going to check that out. Uh, mine's not as deep as yours, but mine's something called Wombo. It's, there's a website, and then there's also an app. And I think you can do some fun social media things. You're laughing. It's Yeah, you know I've what it, it is. <laughs> it's so cool. You can type in whatever words you want, and like you could type it – like. Jim, give me if you gave me a word like Fox and then if Keith said something like, you know, lawyer, like it would like create like by using artificial intelligence, it would create a piece of art like with like a foxy lawyer. It's just it's it's crazy how it works. And so you can do a bunch of different things with it. So uh, I think you can do some fun social media uh, things with it. So it's called Wombo and you can do the phone app or there, you can there's like a paid version. I just do, I use the free version, but it's it's a fun little tool that you can play around with. But uh, Keith, thank you so much for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, and if anyone is interested in case status, I know that I'm a customer and you all should check it out. It's, it's a pretty cool product. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, more content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. Maximum Have a great week and catch you next time. Maximum.